Welcome to the Church on a Hill podcast. This is Pastor Corey Lahiri, and the Church on a Hill podcast is a ministry of Palouse Federated Church in Palouse, Washington. We are glad you joined us for this podcast, and we hope that that this will bless you. I want to encourage you, if you have a Bible with you or a Bible on a device, you can go to Hebrews, the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 2, is where we find ourselves as we work our way uh, through this letter. Let's, let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. For you are truly our, our rock and our redeemer. You are the author and perfecter of our faith and our life. And you alone should we rightly fear you alone. Should we fully follow you alone? Should our life be founded upon? So I ask that you would give us ears to hear, Lord. I ask that your Holy Spirit would help each of us to pray for others in this room as we listen to this word and, and to pray for ourselves as we listen. We want this to be a time of worship of you and a time of growth for us. Lord, I ask also that you would help your people to pray for me and for other preachers that we would faithfully declare your word. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right. Would you stand if you're able for the reading of the word from the letter to the Hebrews? Stand if you're able for the reading of God's word. Hebrews chapter 2. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution... How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. <clears throat> so, some brief reminders about this wonderful letter. It's, it's called the Letter to the Hebrews, and that will remind us that it is written to Hebrew or Jewish background followers of Jesus Christ, people who have heard the good news about Jesus, that he was the Messiah, that he was the, the promised king from David's line, the, the fulfillment of the, the Hebrew scripture promises of the one to come, the chosen one to come, the Messiah. And, and so these, these Jewish people they, that believed in Jesus, they, they are the, the original audience, right? And so the author is inspired to encourage them to persevere in the faith. And they're being challenged. Some of them probably are being persecuted for their faith. They're being tempted to kind of step off the accelerator, so to speak, uh, and to not grow uh, anymore. Or, you know, to just, you know, not take that Jesus thing so seriously. And so the author is encouraging them time and time again, as we'll see as we go through the letter to the Hebrews, to persevere, to keep the faith, as we hear here, to pay closer attention. 
We heard in the first chapter some great things about Jesus, uh, who he is, and that he is not just a man, that he is greater than the prophets, and he's, he's greater than the angels, right? And, and the writer of the Hebrews quoted the Psalms a number of times, different Psalms, uh, telling the reader, we should listen to this guy, right? He's not just a guy. Because he, he's the, he, he has the radiance of the glory of God. He's the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the power of his word or the word of his power. Have you translated? I mean, he's saying, this is the amazing son of God who is God himself. Right? He's saying these wonderful things in chapter one. And then we get to chapter two, which is really just a continuation of chapter one. The chapter numbers, if you didn't know this, were added hundreds and hundreds of years later, right? So it really flows as one argument in the letter to the Hebrews. And so chapter one flows into chapter two, and then we get to this important word, therefore, in the English translations, or most of them use the word therefore. And, and you know, the, the quick Bible study tip is when you see a therefore in the scripture, you ask, what is that therefore? Therefore, right? And, and, that, and it's, it's a good trick, because the therefore is there because it's causing you to connect to what was just said in chapter one to what the author is going to say, right? Here at the beginning of chapter two. Therefore, we must pay closer attention because he's greater than the angels. He's not just a prophet. He's, he's God himself. So we should be paying close attention, he's saying, right? He is higher than the angels. And if he is, and he is, is what we believe, then we should pay close attention. And we need to choose to do that. It's not going to be automatic is what is implied. So let's think about that, that call to attention, that call to attention from the the author, why, right? He says we pay closer attention lest we drift, lest we drift, that if we don't pay close attention, there's a tendency of the human soul and mind, just the human life to, to drift away, even from that that is ultimate or important. We can drift away from important things. Have you ever had like an aha moment? I know that just confession on my part. I've, I've had like an aha moment where I'm going, oh, that's a wonderful idea, or this is a really good thing. And then an hour later, I'm like, what was that? Is it just me, right? Well, what did I have? What was that aha moment, right? That, I mean, the human just can, yeah, you know, uh, we have uh, ADOS, you know, you ever heard of that syndrome? Attention deficit O shiny, right? Uh, or attention deficit OC is attention deficit O cookies, right? And you, you're, you're focused on something until something else comes into your mind, right? And it could be something, uh, you know, as, as mundane as you're t starting to do your taxes, which you know, I'm starting to do this week. And, and so you, you, you might neglect something else, right? And, and, and so the, the, the writer knows for his audience then, and it's still relevant to us today, right? We can drift, even, even if the Lord has been super important to us or the most important thing, the the one who transformed our life, the one that we were expecting from all the scriptures, like these Hebrew background people, uh, super important. You would think that he wouldn't have to tell people like this to, to pay close attention because Jesus is so great, right? And, and changed their lives and they've taken great risks to believe in him and follow him. But yeah, even those folks can drift too, right? We all can drift. If they can drift, right? And they're much closer to it then, of course we can drift too, right? So, the call to attention is there because we can drift. Now, what does it take for, for something to drift? You know, if a, 
if a, a boat is just not anchored and it's got its sail up or, or even with, without a sail up and just with the motion of the water and the tides, the boat's going to drift, right? Right? And go with the wind. What does it take for the road to have a snow drift develop on it? What does the road, what does the road do to have a drift? The road does nothing, right? The drift happens because of the forces around the road, right? right? And, and so the drift develops, right? We, uh, so drifts, drifts don't take any effort on our part, and that's kind of the point. We have to apply effort to avoid the drift, right? So if you think about snow drifts, and our title today is No Drifts, is what we're going for, uh, intentional play on words there, is s- snow drifts are, can, uh, can be kind of dangerous, right? If some of you have dealt with some big ones, right? They, 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 they are, you know, they build up and the winds and the shape of the land and, and they, they, they can block the road, right? And some of them, you know, I've gone through some in a bus that are yards and yards and yards long, right? Where you basically, you, you, you basically have to keep momentum to go through them. And if you see it coming and you decide, oh, I'm scared of that potential or that drift, and you decide to lose your momentum before you get to the drift, that's not a good plan. That's not a good plan. What I have learned is you keep momentum. And you might feel like you're surfing at some point through that drift. But if you, if you, if you break before the drift and say, I'm going to start going now, no, not a good idea. And with our, with our spiritual life, we have to keep forward momentum. And there are things that can break our momentum, right? There are uh, gut punches in our life, whether it's a broken relationship or an un, you know, a sudden an unwanted career move or health diagnosis and things that can knock us sideways. But th- that's even more reason that we should listen to this, right? Because you don't know what's coming in life, right? So you have to pay close attention to what matters and the one who gets you through all kinds of things that happen because of just the natural forces of this world. Things happen. Just like snowdrifts happen because of the winds and, and the shape of the land and because of the, the difficulties of this world and the human bodies that we inhabit, things are going to happen because of the relationships we're in with other human beings. Things are going to happen, right? Hard things are going to happen, so pay attention to what is most important, right? So this is just a little bit of why we should pay inten- attention uh, you know, the author is saying, in, in the author's argument, if the, if the Torah, that's the Hebrew scriptures, basically Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers is, is, is the Torah. If, if the Torah was mediated by angels, and that was the common Jewish belief at the time, if, if angels helped the prophets and the writers of the, the, the scriptures, and Jesus is greater than the angels, then, then we should really listen to him. That's the argument of chapter one, but then his argument continues here in chapter two, and he says, there are severe consequences for breaking the laws in the Torah, right? There's severe consequences. I mean, in the, in the Old Testament, you can read about some of these consequences, like in Exodus or Deuteronomy, if you want to, and, and, and there's death penalties for violating the, some of the Ten Commandments, right? I mean, just, just severe consequences. And what he, his argument here is, okay, if Jesus is higher than the angels, and he's, he's God himself, and and in, and, and in preparation for him in, in the previous scriptures, the laws that were just really preparing and promising his coming, if the consequences back then were severe for violating that, how will we expect to escape if we now 
violate him in the present, if we now ignore him or, or don't really believe in him, right? If he himself and his message and his works is the fulfillment of all that we were expecting and then we neglect him, aren't we being foolish and how can we escape that? This is what he's arguing. Let's think of one of these promises from the Old Testament. It's, it's in one of the prophetic books, Ezekiel, Ezekiel 36 Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27 says this. This is one of these verses that a vision of what God was going to do and we believe was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Ezekiel wrote, I will give you a new heart and give you a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone and, and, and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. It's a beautiful promise written in a hard time in, in, in Israel's history. And Ezekiel's basically receiving the message saying, God's not going to give up on human beings. And one day he's going he's to make a way for this inner transformation to be done. And the hardness of human hearts will be, will be graciously replaced uh, right, by God giving us a heart of, of flesh and his own spirit And today that's part of what we're celebrating, the baptism of Jesus Christ, but also his bringing the Spirit to us as his followers that we get to have the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that promise has been fulfilled. That's part of the good news that that we get to have God's presence in us, with us, the Spirit of God. And so if that is like the fulfillment of all these Old Testament prophecies and promises, and it has happened, and then we decide to be like, well, yeah, that's a really good idea. Oh, shiny life over here, you know. That was, you know, I was excited about my faith in my earlier years, or, but I don't need to pay attention to it. I've learned enough, or so, you know, I'm good enough. His basic argument is, why would you do that? Why would you neglect the higher and the fulfillment if you were so eagerly anticipating it and prayed for it as the Jewish people did and longed for it, and then it comes, why would you neglect it and have you considered that neglecting the greater, the greater teaching, the greater, the fulfillment, neglecting Jesus Christ has even deeper consequences than the tough consequences of the Old Testament, which were tough, right? So neglecting faith and relationship with Jesus will come with heavy consequences. That's what the Bible says. Now, now here's what we do. We, we, we turn Jesus sometimes into something that the Bible doesn't say he is, and, we, and that is we turn him into a nice guy. That's one of the things we do. Jesus is just a nice guy. Uh, Hebrews doesn't make that argument anyway. Jesus is God. <laughs> and he is, he is the king that came to reign forever. He's a king of justice and holiness and power. And yes, he's gracious and merciful and kind. But he's not just a nice guy. He is the same God of the Old Testament. One of the things we're going to hear later on in, in Hebrews is Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you, you hear some Christians bebop along and say, well, I'm so glad that we have the God of the New Testament now, as if there was a different God. It is one God, and it's one, it's one overarching plan. Right? And what God was preparing and promising in the Old Testament is continued and fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And the consequences that we hear about in the Old Testament for the breaking of, of laws for that time were real. But they also, the the author of the Hebrews is saying, they also tell us that God still has consequences because it's still the same God for not following him now, especially since the son has been given into the world and done his sacrifice. 
Another way of thinking about this is if you're a Christian or you're a so-called Christian and you know about the blood of Christ and, and his sacrifice for you and you, you know he was the very son of God and you know that's how sin is atoned for or paid for and then you choose to say or, or in some way take advantage of that but not really yield to it, then you are not just sinning in whatever actions you do, lying or adultery or whatever. You are intentionally sinning against the son of God and his blood. And you understand that that is a, a greater crime. I mean, we always say sin is all the same. No, it's not. I mean, all sin separates us from God in that sense. But when you intentionally sin against the blood of Jesus Christ or, or claim his name and don't actually follow him or yield to him, or a Christian who stays in disobedience when they know they should, they should really you know, learn and repent or, or change in some way, Christians, hear this. When you do that intentionally, you're sinning against the holy blood of Jesus Christ. I'm not making this stuff up. It's just the Bible that God gave us. I'm sorry, right? The consequences are higher for that. Now, the forgiveness is complete. And this is the good news, right? So, I mean, he, when you're convicted of that, when you're convicted of a, 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 a sin you did, let's say a selfish action you did, or you've been neglecting Jesus, you've been neglecting spending time with him, you've been really selfish lately or something. Yeah, you hear the hard news. That's actually sin against Jesus Christ himself. It is. Hear the really good news. He knew that already. <laughs> and he died once for all. Hebrews is also going to say that. And he died even for those, those willful, intentional sin where we are neglecting him and putting him in second place or worse in our life. He even died for that already. He is so good. And so we just say, oh, Lord, thank you for showing me that. Thank you for convicting me of that. Forgive me for my inattention or forgive me for willfully choosing sin yesterday when I did this and this. Forgive me. And you've already forgiven me. And just be stunned at his goodness again, right? right? So the, 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 the writer of Hebrews is, is really trying to give them and us a reality check, okay? So why do some neglect and drift? This is really, I think, uh, if we think about why some neglect or drift and really why we neglect or drift, it, it, it may sound reminiscent to the four soils parable that Jesus gives us, right? So the, some will appear to be drifting, but the truth is they never really heard. They never really internalized the good news message. So they look like they're getting farther away from Jesus, but the truth is they never really had him, right? So they didn't really, they, you know, as Jesus says, there'll be some with ears but not hearing, okay? Some with eyes but not seeing. And so that's one level where you could say, why did this person drift in my family? Well, consider, did they ever really believe? Did they ever really receive the gospel? That's at least one possibility, right? Did it ever really take root? Or maybe there's no root at all. Then there's others who, who hear, right? They hear the gospel and they make some kind of confession with their lips, but in their heart, maybe they didn't really surrender, right? And so there's this battle, right? Where the gospel wants to take root, but the, 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 the throne of their heart is already occupied by themselves and their own priorities. And so until they surrender that, that throne of their life to the king, to the true king, they're going to drift because they haven't really given him that place of priority. And then there are others who have heard and believed, 
But then the temptations of this world come in and Jesus gives this image with the four soils like weeds or thorns that come up and they grow and they start choking out. It's those things of life that may seem actually good at the time, but they, they keep our focus off being the person God calls us to be, of loving like him, of learning how to forgive like him, being merciful like him. And instead, we just spend a lot of our energy and our time on other things, right? Instead of letting him be the main thing and then living like him in all the things that we do, right? So, so, so that kind of drifting is someone who heard and believed, but you know, they, they get off track. And, and this could be, it could, t- it could look like success, but it could also look like a person who's in deep despair, right? It could look like someone who's very selfish. It could look like someone who's very humble and just broken. But the truth is they've been drifting. The point of the author is uh, there, there will be a temptation to drift. So pay close attention to Jesus, right? Give him priority your mind and heart. Let his spirit work on you and change you so that you can represent him in all the things you do, whether it's your career, your retirement, your family, your friendships. You can pay attention to all kinds of things, but first, pay attention to your God, right? So, and then he goes on to, in this, these four verses, he, the author, we're going to see, he's really good at packing a lot of information densely. He goes on to say, this good news message, or the gospel we call it, has been attested to. There's an attestation of the gospel. So we should believe it uh, and we should pay close attention because it's, it's worthy of our attention because it's been attested to. In fact, he says the Lord Jesus himself attested to this message, right? That this is what we should listen to. This is what we should pay close attention to with our life. The Lord Jesus himself attested to it. He declared it is the way the letter to the Hebrews has it in the ESV translation. And if you look at the Lord Jesus' ministry, if you just look at the Gospels, he says things about himself, and he declares himself to have authority, right? He says, I am the way to the Father in the Gospel of John. He says, before Abraham was, I am, right? He, he says things like in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you have heard it said, but I say unto you, declaring himself as authority because he is the authority, right? He says to people, your sins are forgiven. And the, and the religious teachers say, only God can forgive sins. Right? And that's kind of the point. <laughs> right? He's declaring himself. So the attestation is his own self-declaration. But he comes along and says, but I'll give you more than that. Right? He comes along and says, there was one who pointed to me. John the Baptist pointed to him. Right? And played the role of the Elijah that the Old Testament promised was to come. He didn't reincarnate Elijah, but he filled that role. And so there's a witness in John the Baptist. And there's a witness in Jesus' miracles. And you look at the Gospels, which you've you got to read the Gospels every year, folks. You've got to. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. You've got to read the Gospels every year. Okay? And, and you look at the Gospels, and, and, and you see his miracles that he did. And, you, and, you, and if you read the Old Testament, you know... Oh, this is greater than all of the Old Testament prophets put together. Right? He just did greater miracles. So his teachings, his declarations about himself, from his first sermon in in Nazareth, his first full sermon in his hometown, where he reads the scripture and then he declares that the year of God's favor is being uh, fulfilled right in front of them. So he's basically reading the scripture from Isaiah and saying, this scripture is about me. That's what Jesus did. The year of God's favor is here, right? 
And, and, and so Jesus' own self-declaration is, his own, is evidence for us to, to pay close attention to him. His first public miracle is turning water into wine. He, it was public in the sense that the servants knew about it, which is one really cool part of the story. And his mom knew about it, which is another cool part of the water into wine story. Uh, but it's, it's a story about saving a family from their shame because they ran out of wine at a wedding feast. And it would have been shameful and it would have ruined their family name. But he saved a family out of their shame. That's exactly what he came to do to make a family of God and save us from our shame and our brokenness. His first public miracle is a declaration of his very mission of why he came to earth and then his publicly lived life of being tempted to to get off track and to sin even, but he stayed faithful, right? And then, of course, his life declares through his his sacrifice, which we later learn he he could have called on those angels to rescue him from the imprisonment, from the torture, from the cross itself. But he, he willingly went through all of it, right, to, to use his death in a mysterious and deep way to be the atonement for our sins. But then the other declaration on top of that is his resurrection, which was witnessed by many people. He was resurrected. The, the resurrected Christ was witnessed by many people. First First by the women, right, that followed him. But then by hundreds of more over time. And so these early believers knew all that. And he's saying, the first reason you should keep paying attention is this, this has been declared from him. And we can't go against what he said, what he did, and who he was. The, the son of God who died for us, the son of God who was risen and defeated death. But not only that, he reminds him, hey, remember, there's still firsthand witnesses that we've heard from. We've heard from. They're still walking around at this time that this letter's written. He's saying there's still firsthand witnesses. I mean, and, and we have to read scriptures because we're, you know, 2,000 years later, but scriptures like this, they may have heard from people like this. Like in 1 John 1, 1, 1 John, the little letter from John says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, and which we have looked at and our hands have touched. Basically, John starts off that first letter and says, hey, we saw this stuff that I'm going to be writing about. We heard it. We touched him. Right? Or or like Mary Magdalene said, after she saw the resurrected Jesus, we hear in John 20, 18, her, her straightforward words are, I have seen the Lord. And they knew she, they were going to think she was crazy, right? And people like Mary and John and others were still alive when this letter was starting to circulate. But not only that, were their firsthand witnesses still alive, he says, remember the signs and the wonders and the miracles that, that Jesus wasn't just a guy who claimed he had authority and people claimed things about his death and claimed things about his resurrection. There were thousands and thousands of people who saw the miracles that he did. There are, by one account, there are 37 recorded miracles in the gospel. John, of course, tells us that there are even more and that not all the volumes in the world could hold all the things that Jesus did. But people, in a real basic way, we know people were healed from paralysis, from skin diseases. People were risen from the dead. Sicknesses fled. Uh, a lot of these were public. There was, there was giant public feeding miracles. Lots of witnesses, right? 
And did you know, speaking of lots of witnesses, we have all kinds of uh, documents still existing from the first century. We have other historians. We have Jewish historians from that time period. We have Roman historians from that time period. Jesus has some mentions in some of those writings, like Josephus, right? Did you know there is no contemporary disagreement or argument against the miracles of Jesus? None of them say you should stop believing in Jesus because those miracles never happened. We all know they didn't happen. They were a big scam. There's no document that said that then because that would have been ridiculous. There were plenty of people that saw the miracles that chose not to believe in it, right? Just like there's plenty of people who grow up in church and see people's lives transform and choose not to follow Jesus because it gets down to a personal decision and a surrender. But nobody was dumb enough to say, hey, those miracles didn't really happen. Josephus didn't say that decades later because he knew that was stupid. Even though he wasn't following and walking around following Jesus, he knew that there were thousands of people who saw the miracles. Think about that. No contemporary argument against the miracles of Jesus. You know when those types of arguments started, right? Just in the Enlightenment a couple hundred years ago. Enlightenment with quotations. Right? So nobody doubted that he was a miracle worker. It was a, do we believe in his claims or not? But the point here, the Hebrew writer, the, the writer for the Hebrews is, he did miracles. And not only did he do miracles, the Holy Spirit gave gifts to the apostles and to others, and they did miracles. And we hear about those in the book of Acts. Let's just think of one of the followers of Jesus and just touch on a couple of his miracles. Peter. Peter does similar things than Jesus did. He heals a lame man in Acts chapter 3. It says that Peter's shadow, there were so many people needing healing that for some reason God, just to show off, used the shadow of Peter when it fell on people and they were healed. Acts chapter 5, if you don't believe me, okay? And Peter raises someone from the dead, Dorcas, from the dead, chapter 9 in Acts. Again, no contemporary argument against the miracles of the early church. From, there were anti-Christian groups, right, that argued against following Jesus and things, but people did not say the miracles didn't happen. Interesting. And, and the, the author is saying, you know that they happen even if you weren't there. And so if this is real and he's higher than the angels and he's declared these things about himself and he did what he did through his life, death, and resurrection and, and then it's all backed up by the miracles he did and, and John the Baptist pointing at him and, and his followers are even able to do miracles by the power of the Holy Spirit and you know that these things happen and you cannot deny them so why would you allow yourself to drift? What good excuse do you have? And basically, we come back and say, I can't have, I don't have a good reason or excuse if it's, if it's true, right? We should pay closer attention. At least they should, right? But we're 2,000 years later, so what? Right? We could say, good argument for those people of that time who maybe got to witness the firsthand witnesses or knew somebody that saw the miracles. But what about us 2,000 years later, thereabout, right? Why should we believe? Why should we pay closer attention? The simple argument, you know, the Sunday school argument is, well, it's the Bible, and the Bible says it. Pay close attention. So pay close attention. Pastor, you don't even need the whole sermon. Just the Bible says it. Do it. Okay. But life gets a little tougher than that, doesn't it? <laughs> and, and, and we get temptations and whispers. So 
I'll, I'll just say another level that might be a, a little step up in that is the logic of this argument still holds. <laughs> the spiritual logic of it still holds. Right? Yeah, it's inspired word of God, but the lo- logic is, hey, it still holds. But I also want to say God is the same God still doing the same type of thing. That there are still people, and maybe it's even more amazing. In fact, the Bible said it would be amazing, more amazing that blessed are the people who have not seen and yet believe. It's to me more... <laughs> I don't want to compare miracles, but it, I can really rationally understand why somebody who saw Jesus do a miracle in the flesh or saw the resurrected Jesus, why they believe. What is deep for me to understand is why somebody 1,800 years, 1,900 years later, 2,000 years later, in a language group that wasn't you know, Jesus' natural language, who didn't have any firsthand witnesses, is, is moved by the Spirit of God and believes that God is real and came in the flesh and died for their sins. That amazes me, and it happens all the time. It's evidence that this is really true. Your evidence that it's really true. That the Holy Spirit's gifts are still being distributed. He's still doing things, right, in your life and in vast corners of the world and in all different kinds of language groups and ethnicities. It's still the most amazing movement in the world. It gets trashed all the time, the church. But if you look at it honestly, it, the church, the body of Christ is the most amazing movement in the history of humanity. Right? So, that's why we should keep believing it because it's still happening. We, though, therefore still need to pay close attention to beware of drifting. So let us hear this, right? The, the one that we are following the God that we are following isn't just an invisible God, isn't just a, an idea or a theory. Our God is historical. And by that, I mean not your boring history class. If you hated history in high school, I didn't. But, I mean, he came into our experience. He is, he is real because he's always existed, but he, he became real in the human sense. And if that is true, if that one fact is true, the story of Christmas, the, that, that he became a human being, but also the story that he really died a human death, that he didn't deserve it, that if these are historically true, then the implications are, are massive, right? And this is why those claims get fought against all the time in media and books and all kinds of things. Because if it's true that Jesus is who he says he is and he really came into the world, then the implications are he's it. You have to follow him. Another way of saying this is he not only is historical that he came in and changed history, his claims are ultimate. The, the Christian faith is an ultimate faith, meaning it's not optional. It, it, it's, you can't, there's no like halfway. Right? We are the only major faith or world religion that believes God became human and did this for us. Our faith is not first about obedience or duty. Our faith is first about grace, that he came and did it for us. And that is either true or not. It's either true that he was the promised king or not. And if he is, then we should pay close attention because it's the best story possible, and it's real. Consequences, therefore, as the writer said, are massive. If you neglect something that's real and ultimate, that really happened and is really true, and is the 
the hinge of history itself, but is also the most important matter for you to consider whether God loves us so much that he came into the world or not. Do you believe that or not? Do you give your life to that reality? The consequences of ignoring that or denying that or pretending to believe that but not actually believing it and just drifting away from it, the consequences are huge. So how can we escape? That's kind of the negative side of it. But let's focus on the positive side of it. He says, such a great salvation. Such a great salvation. That's where I want to wrap up to just say, what a great salvation. God is a saving God a restoring God, a transforming from broken into whole God, a, a, a God who can, who can take a nation that's divided and make it into something better. He's done it before through history. He can do it again in our land. He can, he can do it in families. He does it in families. He does it in individuals. He has such a great salvation. And we're not just talking about taking us to heaven one day. The, the salvation story is about bringing and manifesting his kingdom uh, here on earth to, to have people live like him and love like him here on earth to have our eternal identity so secure in him and what he did for us that we are unafraid to love and forgive and to, to find ways to, to reconcile with enemies that we are, we are becoming his kingdom by his spirit working in us. We are manifesting It is a great salvation. The kingdom of God is supposed to be here now, and then one day, yeah, we're going to enjoy the eternal aspects and the new earth aspects of it, but, but his salvation is not just an escape from life as we know it or just escape later after we die. His, his salvation is a new creation that's beginning now inside us and through the body of Christ that is seeking to represent him and manifest him in this world by the Holy Spirit doing it through our lives. It is a new way of living this salvation. It's a new humanity of people who don't live in fear of death, who don't live in fear of power or really for the seeking of power in the world's ways. People who don't live for selfish agendas but live for the love of God, the love of neighbor, and even the love of enemy. This is the great salvation that Jesus Christ brought himself to the world and he did it himself and then he made a body of people that are called to do it as well. And we can't stop paying attention to that, to his mission for us. Jesus' salvation is God's plan of restoration. And when we participate in his great salvation plan, we are joining God in the hopeful advancement of the very kingdom of God that might be invisible by the way we think we measure things, but is very visible in other ways. People getting hope again. People having peace when they're dying from a terrible disease. Right? It is real, folks. The kingdom of God is real. I get to see it all the time. And it's beautiful. But when we ignore that, or neglect that, or pretend like that's not real, right? Why would we want to even escape the gravity of the great salvation. Right? How would we escape the consequences? I, I, I want to think of the opposite. I don't want to escape the great salvation. I want to be immersed in it. I want to be part of what God's doing. And not neglecting today. For how is he calling you to be part of his big story? God, you are calling us into your story 
the real story, the story you came into, that story you were always planning to author. You are the author and perfecter. You are the one who comes and takes hearts of stone and turns them into hearts of flesh. You are the one who's made these people as your craftsmanship. That you've prepared them to do good works that you have also prepared. And yet, God, we, in a moment or in a bad day or a bad week, we can just ignore all of it. We can pay close attention to the power of this world, the politics of this world, to things that are really just not that important, not anywhere near as important as you but we do it. And so, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, help us to internalize this message today that it would not just be a Bible lesson, but that your Holy Spirit would help us truly to pay closer attention to Jesus Christ, the perfect one who loved us so dearly that he gave his very life for us, but also died for us, but also gave us his spirit and also now invites us into his body, his life. Lord, help us to believe that daily. Help us to lean into it, to pay close attention. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello, friends. I truly pray that this message blessed you. And if you want to find out more about our ministries or listen to other messages or videos of our worship services, you can check us out at palousechurch.org or search for Palouse Church on YouTube or check us out on Facebook or we are on uh, the Bible app. There's different ways to find us. You can always email me, Corey, C-O-R-E-Y, at palousechurch.org to connect with me or to send me a prayer request. We really appreciate you connecting with us in this way. And may God bless your day.